I think what made him a great professor is that he genuinely cared about his students. Um, I think that is a really important factor. I think he understood that like, you don't know what the student is going through at home before they get there. What really makes a great professor is somebody who really cares about the students and really just like wants to really, you know, try to work with each student, you know, try to help them with their individual needs and really be there. A professor that actually enjoys teaching what they're teaching. Like they actually have a passion. They're not just doing it for the tenure, not doing it for the paycheck. They genuinely want to talk and, and let other people learn about this. For me, uh, what makes a good professor is somebody that's there because they just, they genuinely want you to succeed. They're not just there to get their paycheck. And I, I've dealt with an equal amount of both, but the teachers that I've genuinely like have learned the most from are the ones that have gone out of their way to message me when I've like been doing bad on assignments, just check up on me. That was the good school crew answering the question, what makes a good professor? We heard from Angel, Sam, Akira, and EJ. They want professors who care about their students, have a passion for what they are teaching, and want to help their students and see them succeed. My name is Olivia Yates, and this is Good School. Although we all want our professors to have these qualities, there are a lot of issues they face as faculty. Depending on their specific job as faculty, they might have different day-to-day tasks, but they all have a lot on their plate. Besides the time they spend teaching, they have to hold office hours, create and grade assignments, build curriculum, attend meetings, publish scholarship, advise student clubs, develop campus-wide initiatives, network with peers both within the college and nationwide, and promote students and the college. There are different types of faculty. Today, we are going to talk about three. Full-time tenure track, full-time non-tenure track, and adjuncts. Tenure track is what most professors aspire to because of the prestige, job security, and good salary. Full-time non-tenure is similar to tenure without the prestige. They have job security and a somewhat less salary. Adjunct professors work part-time, have no prestige, no salary, and no job security. I have gotten to know three professors while working on this episode. They have different challenges because of their place in the faculty hierarchy, but the same goal, to help students realize their potential. I want to find out how the faculty hierarchy affects students and the role it plays in a good school. Let's meet the three professors. Dr. Monica Sun full-time tenure professor at the John Jay College of Criminal Justice. Tenure. It definitely gives you the feeling that you could say and do whatever you want. I am a very mindful person, so it's not like I'm doing whatever I want. But for me, as a woman of color and as a chair, it allows me to influence the administration, you know, the, especially the provost, the president, 
in a way that leans towards really student success and really advocating for students of color, really advocating for issues that impact access and opportunity and being a voice to that. Meanwhile, Professor Karkazire, a full-time non-tenured track professor at the Community College of Baltimore County, CCBC, is trying to organize a faculty union for non-tenured professors so he can have some of the safety nets of a tenured professor. We do not have tenure at CCBC. I just started a new five-year contract. So, you know, I have, I have job security, I suppose, for the next four years. I think that having um, a faculty union would give the faculty uh sense well would give us real sort of power in the workplace finally professor rob bennett a colleague of professor kazire and an adjunct faculty confronts the reality of being part of the professorial gig economy there's no job security in being an adjunct you basically work for hire you'll be let go at any moment for any reason so all three professors have different job titles and roles but what do they mean here is Dr. Adriana Kizar, a professor at the University of Southern California and the director for the Polius Center for Higher Education, explaining the different faculty models in higher education. So actually, the type of institution that you're at matters less because these three type of faculty exist across all of them. So the first type is the one that is decreasing significantly. There are about 30% of the faculty are left on tenure track full-time appointments, which means that not only are they employed full-time, but they have protections from being let go from their employment. And so tenure has been a protection against politically motivated individuals who over the course of the last hundred years have fired or tried to fire faculty who do research or teach things they find controversial. That's 30% of our faculty. It used to be about 80% of our faculty. Then the other group is the largest group, and that is part-time adjunct faculty. They are now 52% of the faculty. They are hired semester to semester, so the length of their job security is four months. As you can imagine, that makes it pretty precarious. They were initially hired to fill in specialized expertise in a curriculum. So an adjunct professor has no job security and a tenure professor has job security. And in the middle of the job security spectrum is the full-time non-tenure professor who works on multi-year contracts. If we're not returning to an academy that has a commitment to tenure, at least we could have a commitment to long-term contracts, which would at least protect speech in the classroom and in research it would make that more possible. The type of faculty that are at an institution and the way they are treated impacts student success. At CCBC, where I graduated from, about 37% of the faculty are on long-term contracts. The other 63% are adjuncts. This means most of my classes were taught by adjuncts. Research has shown that students who take more classes with adjuncts are less likely to persist through college, less likely to graduate, less likely to have a high GPA, and more likely to drop out. It is not because adjuncts are not good teachers. 
it is because adjuncts are often given very little time to prepare. They are usually teaching multiple classes at multiple institutions. In contrast, a full-time tenure-track professor might only teach one class a semester and can devote more time to each individual student, preparing for classes, grading, providing feedback, writing letters of recommendation, and doing everything a professor needs to do to help their students succeed. Here's Dr. Sun, the tenured professor, telling us about her schedule. I'm an early riser, so a lot of the like the writing work, research work happens in the morning. And teaching, we have, because of all the other work that we do, we teach one class per semester. That allows time to really focus on, on teaching well, which is not an opportunity that most folks have. A lot of our time contractually, about 80% of our time is spent meeting with students. So that is a lot. So one day would be for research and scholarship. And of course, because we're faculty, we would have our January, winter, and summer if we weren't teaching or had some other kind of obligation to the department. As I was talking with one of my faculty earlier this week, you know, even the summer is challenging because you first need a pause from the whole year and then you want to actually enjoy the summer. Now here's Professor Bennett talking about his schedule as an adjunct. So this week, Monday morning, I had my 10 o'clock class at Dundalk, came home, did some work until my 6.30 class. Today, I had a 10 a.m. meeting with my client, and then I worked for my client's office from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., then drove to UMBC, where I have two classes tonight at 5.30 and 7.10. Tomorrow morning, I will get up early as usual, walk the dog, go to class at 10.10, grade, and do freelance work between 11.30 and 12. I have a teen teen search committee meeting from 12 to 2 tomorrow, and then class tomorrow night from 5.30 to 8.30-ish. Thursday, I have a networking meeting at 8.15 a.m. I am giving blood at 10 a.m. I'll basically do grading all day Sunday, because, you know, that was just needing to get done. I'm still way behind. It's the story of my life in grading. Professor Bennett's schedule is not the exception, but the shared reality for the majority of adjuncts. They have crazy schedules, trying to fit everything from service to the institution, to office hours, to grading in one week, all while being paid little. The American Federation of Teachers found that adjuncts earn less than $25,000 a year. They rarely get breaks or summers off. I'm one of those adjuncts that does this basically as my job. And I need that that revenue coming in. I mean, fortunately for me, now I'm doing consulting too, but and that's extra revenue. But really, for a while, it was just teaching. And not knowing, you know, at the end of July or early August, whether you're going to have two classes or three classes come the semester, that makes a difference in your life. I guess what it comes down to. Now, I know adjuncts are a dime a dozen, as they say. Um, there are tons of them. Um, but I like to think I'm a pretty good teacher and that people would want me teaching their students.
I like working at CCBC very much. I feel like I have a lot of freedom. I have a lot of I have a lot of room to be creative in the way that I approach my classes. So typically I'll teach four or five classes. Lately I've been teaching five and then getting a little bit of overtime. And then I have to, I'm required to have five hours of office hours during the week. That's my like at school schedule. So it's pretty, you know, it's pretty cushy. Professor Kazire teaches four to five classes a semester because he works at a teaching institution. In general, community colleges are teaching institutions. This means their emphasis is on student learning rather than faculty research. Dr. Sun, who we heard from earlier, teaches at a research institution. While teaching one class a semester, she's researching systems of oppression and their impact on access and opportunity in education. You will not find many people doing in-depth research like Dr. Sun is doing at a teaching institution like CCBC. Even though he thinks teaching four to five classes is pretty cushy, Professor Kassire still wants a union. He is fighting for a union for full-time, non-tenured professors at CCBC, but that would not include adjuncts like Professor Bennett. So why doesn't Professor Bennett just become full-time? I've applied a couple times. Um, I applied at CCBC but didn't even get an interview because I didn't have a quote-unquote communications degree. Um, I guess a master's in communication master's in visual and written communication and a bachelor's in journalism isn't quite enough to equal communications. Um, So, yeah, I laugh about that. Um, Kind of funny that, you know, you work somewhere for 12 plus, 10 plus years or whatever and can't even get an interview. Even though it is contrary to logic, adjuncts are usually not seriously considered for full-time positions in the institutions where they already work. I had a conversation with Scott Smallwood and Sarah Hebel, journalists and founders of Open Campus, a nonprofit news organization dedicated to investigating and elevating higher education about how hard it is for adjuncts to become full-time. You've already demonstrated to me that you're not a full-time faculty. How do I know that? Because you're an adjunct in our department. It's really like gross, but it's almost like a logic puzzle where you're like, oh, I clearly you're not because if you were, then we, you wouldn't have this job. You're categorically Mm -hmm. different. He tried to get at this when I was editor of a section that also involved some faculty stuff. And it came from just a conversation like this, where we had somebody who was a real strong activists for mm-hmm. adjuncts that we talked a lot to. And he was like, what I just want basically people like me to know is don't get your hopes up, right? Like people always think that they're going to be the exception. I mean, we all do that, I think, to some degree. Like, oh, I'll be the exception. And no, it usually doesn't because there's an average for a reason. The fact of like an adjunct really continuing to put themselves in these long hours, not great paying jobs. Um, some people like do many of these, right? And especially people in the Baltimore, like regions like ours, where there are urban and centers, you can go to Baltimore and DC and all a bunch of places, Philly, if you wanted, and you could spend your whole day in your car and like patch together a bunch of these things. And people do that because they have hold that hope. So he wanted to inject some reality in this conversation. And we took that and we actually looked at sort of 
uh, we went through, you know, like a, a, like an exploration of sort of like how long those odds really are in a couple of searches. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, uh, just another thing to, to keep in mind is that really that, that the chances of that for any person really just are mathematically quite low. So this is a story of being an adjunct. It's a week before classes start. You get an email from a coordinator that says, hey... Rob, I've given your class to a full-time person, and sorry, but your classes at Catonsville and Dundalk are fine. Anyways, um, I, th- yeah, it's frustrating. I did actually shoot out an email, and I picked up a class in February at Catonsville, so who knows? But to have to worry about the stress of all of that is just... Right, because that, that affects budgets, right? That affects long-term planning. That affects living. Um, so I, yeah, so, you know, it's, it's the ins and outs of, of, uh, adjuncting. To me, what students want are professors who care. To us, their place on the faculty hierarchy doesn't matter at all. We don't care about tenure status or if they are at a research or teaching institution. All that matters is that they help us be our best. But what I'm learning is that the issues affecting the faculty hierarchy, what I earlier thought of as prestige, could mean professors have more time to perfect classes and connect with their students. What do I think makes a good professor? Okay, so first and foremost, I think, is a passion for the material. I think a good professor is someone who really cares about the material that they're teaching, and I think that I think that shows, I think the students can sense that, you know what I mean? Because if they have passion for the material, then they'll, well, they can bring that energy to the, to the students, right? I think that also makes a good professor, someone who's willing to work with students, to help, to find the way that, that they can best, you know, discover this mater- the material. I love that question. Someone who has humility, who, you know, really is walking in with a sense that um, they're also a student and they're also learning. Really someone who thinks about teaching and learning as transformational, that understands that there's a capacity for real change to happen. I think the most important aspect of being a good teacher is actually empathy. So on that aspect, you can connect with them. Um, I think once you've been able to connect with them in that way, through that empathetic lens, um, it just makes it easier to really kind of teach them, grow with them, inspire them. Empathy. Or as Angel, Sam, Akira, and EJ said, a professor who cares. Today, we've heard from three of them, and their status on the faculty hierarchy doesn't seem to affect whether or not each is a good professor in their students' eyes. What seems to impact student success most is not, are the professors good, but rather, is the school good to the professors? This episode was produced by Community College of Baltimore County students Louisa Shelford, Marilyn Payton, Kayla Zimmerman, Katie Roberts, and Olivia James, with support from For Real Media. 
hosted by Olivia Jade. Writing consultant and editor Stacia Stein. Edited by E.J. Snyder and Kyle Woodward. Original music and sound design by Kyle Woodward. Audio engineering by Nicholas Carlin. Cover art by Jacob Elliott. Thank you to the American Council of Learned Societies, the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation's Humanities for All program, and CCBC Students Life for founding this episode. Thank you to CCBC librarians Jean Box, Jamie Whitman, and Elizabeth Godwin for research support, Professor Jeremy Kaplan for his support and guidance, Kelly Hurd and Ariel Nissenbland for marketing consultation, Angel Lewis, Kaylee McIntyre, and Andrea Alvarado Avila, that's me, for managing our social media. Dr. Monica Son, Professor Carl Kassire, Professor Rob Bennett, Dr. Adriana Kisar, and journalist Scott Smallwood and Sarah Hebel for participating in this episode. And to the whole Good School crew for hanging in there and working hard over the past two years to produce this podcast series. Good School is a production of For Real Media, a Baltimore podcast production house. Removing perceived barriers to media production and bringing more inclusivity to storytelling. Find Good School on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Good School Pod. Tell your friends, your family, your students, your colleagues, and anyone you think will be interested about our podcast. Leave a five-star review to help others find us. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you will always know when new episodes drop. Go to forrealmedia.cd forward slash good dash school for more information about this episode you'll find a link to the article journalist sarah hevel mentioned a transcript of the episode and more in our show notes bye for now